When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I am someone's daughter. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duran. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Last week, we gave you some preview content of Elise's Bachelorette, so I feel like it's only fair to offer <laughs> a follow-up to the extent you would like to share. Did you enjoy yourself, Bride to be? Oh, oh, it was wonderful. Uh, Rhode Island truly is the calamari capital uh, of the United States. I ate calamari while I was there. Um, it was... It was just a really interesting um, it was just a really interesting thing to go on a vacation with a group of people again. I mean, like everyone was vaccinated and all that stuff. But I did send out an email to like everyone who was coming the day before that was like, I know this is a lot of socialization. So please know that everyone is free to like go back to their room or like chill out or take a nap or like go do their own thing. Like I just because I was like, you can't, yeah, you, can't. So you can retroactively say three things. You, have, you can take three things back and we'll forget that you ever said that. Yes, that's, a very, that's actually a very good rule. <laughs> yeah, you can retroactively take back three things that you said and we will forgive you. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like most of a batch, most of any like several day period, anytime I get drunk, I just spend the next day being like, does everybody hate me? Did I yeah. talk too much? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I what wanted happens? to leave so, a lot of space for the fact yeah. that um, number one, some of these people, all good friends of mine, but are meeting for the first time. Right, which, like, right. You're meeting for the first time. You're sleeping in a house with them for three days. Like, I, I really I commend everyone who attended my bachelorette. But no one <laughs> killed anybody and everything was pretty chill the entire time. We ate some good seafood. Uh, we went on a boat ride. Amazing. Um, the mask situation in Rhode Island was zero. <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, I know at one point Millie went into like a grocery store to get something and the guy was like and she like had her mask on and the guy was like you don't have to have that on uh, and then and then he was like the entire state is vaccinated and I was like well that's <laughs> false but <laughs> no we know for a fact that Vermont is the most vaccinated Vermont, yeah I was like well actually Vermont is the most vaccinated state and they're only at 80 percent of people being partially <laughs> or fully vaxxed. So there's no way that this entire state is vaccinated, but I don't think that 
getting in a fight with a man who's no. making me a croissant needs to happen. So. Remember when like the governors of Rhode Island and New York were fighting because Rhode Island was like, y'all can't come. And we were like, oh, you, yes, we can. New Yorkers can do whatever they want. Cuomo was like, I'm <laughs> not going to let you oppress New Yorkers. And we're all like, yeah, that was a weird time. Yeah. It was um, weird. But I love, I love Rhode Island. And our boat captain told us a story about uh, Jackie Kennedy's house that he pointed out. And I can't, and it was really interesting, but I can't repeat it because we actually found out later that he is a liar and a scammer oh, and he no. made the story up. Oh, no. Wow. I mean, it sounds like the best story. Did you see Taylor Swift's house? I did not see Taylor Swift's house. Um, mm. I believe Taylor Swift's house is in a, has a house in Hyannisport, which is like the Kennedy's ancestral home. P- uh, Providence, uh, Newport area is the Bouvier's ancestral home, which is oh, Jackie yes. Bouvier. Uh, Big and we distinction. Did see the back of her house. And he told us that this little lighthouse was actually her dollhouse. But I looked it up and I haven't <laughs> found any information about that. And he said it had a dog elevator for her dog. And I looked it up and I haven't found any information about that either. So I think I was what told is the truth? scam, scam, scam. What is the truth yes. about Jackie Kennedy's dollhouse? <laughs> and this segment of the podcast has been brought to you by the tourism board of the state of Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that would actually be the most native content we could do. So I'm mm-hmm. going to put that on the table. Tourism board is if you're listening, we will talk about happy to go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, so we yeah send totally. us to your state and we will talk about yeah. Yeah, what we ate there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. So today we are going to focus most of our discussion on the New York City mayor's waste, which is one week away today on Tuesday. But first, I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about a story that I had not encountered until at least put it on the newsletter. But if we're going to talk about it on the podcast, today is the day with you two. You're the ones I want to talk to about it. But executives reportedly rejected a scene in DC Entertainment's animated Harley Quinn series depicting oral sex between Batman and Catwoman for the show's third season. In a new interview, the show's co-creator said that DC told them of the scene, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. Heroes don't do that. And then he says they replied, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? To which DC replied, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on somebody. Um, All children do with their DC toys is make them go down on each other. Absolutely. Like, like, all children are making their DC toys, their Batmans, their Catwomans, their Harley Quinns. They are all, it's a big, big orgy in that. That's all they do is scissor. That's all I did with mine is make them scissor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when I was a little girl, I had like 10, 15 Barbies and one Ken. And it... (laughs) It got it got messy in that dream it house. Was the bachelor. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it was the bachelor of every day was fantasy fantasy suites. He's just going from room to room. Yeah, mine was definitely a paradise situation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, is it for children? The show. It's that's not for what children. I want to talk about. The show is not for children, but the characters, I guess, are based. I, I think that's what people like about the show is that the characters are villainous and they're like sexual. Um, but but they're part of obviously the broader universe and the people you generally sell toys to. But my question is, yeah, like how are kids finding out that Batman likes to perform cunnilingus and why are they opposed well, to that? I think it's also interesting. Like, I mean, I mean, I know that people watch animated porn, but that's I guess that's a whole other topic of discussion. 
but I guess it's fine. So I don't know. I guess I was seeing weird. I was feeling weird about consent, but they're not real people. They're drawn oh, by right. a person. I don't even yeah, know. You don't even need an intimacy, intimacy coordinator. I just think yeah. it's so funny that they said this and DC, DC is going to be like, dude, you can't talk yeah. about our meetings. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just think it's really funny. Like if you're going to make, cause it's like the R rated Harley Quinn series, then it's like, yeah, I mean, you probably couldn't sell toys based on any of the stuff these characters are doing in the show. I haven't watched the show, but it's just odd to have these characters be like doing R-rated <laughs> things. And but but say like going down on a woman is a bridge too, too far. far. <laughs> like they can't well, they can do other bad stuff. Normal but missionary reason, sex, normal hetero missionary sex is no problem. Anything yeah, else is unseemly for a superhero. Exactly. Like if any of it gets like, back to the yeah. kids, it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, they watched an episode of something they shouldn't have watched and they saw Batman doing some things that they didn't expect him to do. But it's just so odd to single out one particular right. sex Yeah, it's act. like, let's not sexualize these animated things that we have drawn into with voluptuous breasts and ass <laughs> and like, full pecs and like tight ass like latex nipples. and then the nipples even the, even and the they, cleanest cartoons that, yeah all of those toys are so hot they're like so hot and they're like so like so of course no people the kids are jam like, them together yeah like you're the one doing you're the one sexualizing. we need a fat batman a yeah. fat batman a fat yeah pete holmes the comedian actually had a long running a series on Funny or Die, I believe, and the premise was Fat Batman. So we need a Fat Batman who gives good head. That's what that's yeah. the superhero exactly. we and just cuddles with you at the end, and it's yeah. a beautiful thing. And like he's yeah. of average wealth, and like he's just, <laughs> so we need Batman to just be kind of like a regular middle class like no, guy, he should, right? He's got he some still be rich. Bones. He can still be rich. Yeah, maybe. Like, <laughs> I just need to see what hit. I actually need to know what Batman's paying in taxes before I can Absolutely. say one way or another, like what's going on there, mm -hmm. because I do need to know if he's paying his fair share. And the same thing goes for for Iron Man. Yeah, we need to know his marginal marginal tax rate. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, is he getting tax breaks for making this the Iron Man suit? Like, are my taxes going to that? Like how my taxes are going to pay for like Bezos to go to space or whatever. Like they get yeah. grants from NASA. I feel like that, we're so. getting into Marvel territory. Like, oh, uh, that I don't. I, yeah. I guess you're right. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know that the the way the, the two interact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only other thing I want to add is that I just feel bad for the DC exec's wife who said that. Like, <laughs> that sucks for her. And I hope that she's getting what she needs elsewhere. <laughs> Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. 
a gifting moment is always just around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. So speaking of superheroes defending Gotham, Mm -hmm. we have a potential opportunity to elect a new one. I mean, who am I kidding? This is, I feel like we're talking, we're going to talk about the New York mayor's race. And I feel like we're about, we're going to talk about the person who in about six months, we're all going to be profoundly disappointed in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hard to be mayor in New York. Very hard. I think like, also, like, I know, I know all, a lot of most of our listeners don't act, indeed live in New York. However, chunk do. You know, big, our biggest chunk does. A big, a big chunk, too. But also, people, whoever becomes New York mayor, mayor becomes a national figure. I mean, look at the ones we've had. We've had Rudy Giuliani. We've had Mike Bloomberg just recently, you know, like, so. Yeah. This, this, is, a ste- this is a stepping stone for a national stage. That's why it's, it's important to pay attention to no matter yeah. where you really are. Yeah, that's a good point. And on, a, and on a lot of subjects, especially one that I've heard talked about a lot more in terms of the mayor's race, especially in the last couple of weeks and as we get into summer is crime and policing. Because I feel like people do really look to the new NYPD and its relationship with the government and the people for just police reform nationwide. Not that we're like doing a good job, but it is such a big police force with su- such a complex role um, that there's a mm-hmm. lot of exploring to do. So as I said, the New York City mayoral primary is officially one week away. Brian, you voted already, I think, right? I did. Exciting. I I'm going to wait because my my early is so far away. Yeah, I'm just like my voting, <laughs> my actual voting day polling place is across the street. Yeah, same. And my early one is like, mm-hmm. I mean, my early one's like a 10 minute walk away, but I'm like, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I have no way on on election day, so I'm sure I'll be fine. But after many months of trying to keep track of a pretty crowded field with one scandal after the next, it seems progressives in and outside the city have consolidated their support around one candidate in particular, and that's Maya Wiley. So she works. Sup, guest Maya Wiley. We're going to push that episode in the feed again Mm -hmm. this weekend because it's it's an excellent interview. Mm -hmm. Sammy did an amazing job because it covers basically all of the topics and a super honest way. Uh, so if you live in New York or you care about this race, listen to that. We're going to push it on Sunday. Uh, she's worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office and I'd say is most known for being Bill de Blasio's counsel for several years. She's also a former MSNBC analyst and would be the first Black woman mayor of New York City. 
let's talk about some polling. So New York is doing ranked choice. I think we've talked about that before, but you're going to rank. Do we have three chances? You rank your top three or is it five? Five. You five. 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 I'm yeah. considering writing my own name in for five. There you go. <laughs> That's hilarious. At least just writes Morales and is like, take a guess. (laughs) Yeah. I only did three, though. I didn't want to like, I didn't know enough about all, like enough to write five, but I knew enough about enough that I didn't want to put them at all, if that makes sense. Mm. (laughs) It does make sense. And you know what? I was trying to say about this this morning. And I've been saying that for several weeks, and this is what we'll talk about. But I'm finding the more I learn, the less I want to rank additional people. Um, Mm -hmm. So New York is doing ranked choice, which means it could be potentially hard to infer how these polling numbers are going to translate into who comes out on top on June 22nd or however long it takes to count the numbers. But new polling this week shows former Sanitation Department leader Catherine Garcia and former police captain and current Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams fairly close. But Adams is pretty far ahead. He's at like 23 percent. Catherine Garcia is at 17% and Maya Wiley is in third, although I did see some polls over the weekend show her in second. Um, Some other polls I saw, I guess they say they know how it can turn out even with ranked choice, which shows Eric Adams kind of running away with it. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to predict. So how did we get here? I think for many, many months, Scott Stringer was in the lead. He's our comptroller and he was definitely an early leader because he scored tons of endorsements from progressives unions, influential organizations, just a Democrat who had a lot of goodwill in city government and just across industries here and the unions. Then several women, or at least one woman, came forward to accuse him of sexual harassment a few decades ago when they were working with him. And so many of his endorsements were withdrawn, and many have since gone to Maya Wiley. Diana Morales is also a, or was, I should say, a really promising candidate for progressives, But she has also been plagued by some issues with her campaign that beg some questions about what kind of leader she would be. She's been described as the most left-leaning in the field, which is probably why her campaign was so vulnerable to some accusations of union busting and toxic workplaces, because she was really the candidate or is really the candidate who was promising to really stand up to those kind of toxic elements of all of our society. But her campaign manager and several other high-level staffers resigned with some pretty pointed statements. To me, it sort of sounded like she had hired some people from outside that just weren't working well with her staff. Uh, People felt, some people felt completely like, um, like there were misconduct issues, people said, and there was just some Mm -hmm. really toxic leadership that just wasn't addressed. And so a few leaders of the union effort were basically fired after starting it. So they started a union effort. Elise, I actually found your point on this the most compelling I've heard because I'm always I'm inclined to give Diana Morales the benefit of the doubt here, but I think it's so telling that even the people that supported her the most chose not to, which is a point yeah. you made, and that that reframed it for me. That is unsettling. Yeah, you know, it's been difficult to like watch what has gone on with Diane Morales, because on the one hand, you know, I want to be careful that when we have a progressive Latina black candidate that maybe we expect too much of them. I think that that can happen uh, with candidates. Uh, Actually, Stacey Abrams on Z-Way's show was just talking about like when you put someone on such high a pedestal, it's like where you there's a lot long farther to fall but what pushed things over the edge for me is just like these people are supposed to be your stands they're your supporters Mm -hmm. they're your your primary supporters like 
those are the earliest stanniest stands mm-hmm. that you're gonna yeah. get and to have so many of them and mass leave without even like me really hearing like a like a counter contingency other than like morales oh, the point. yeah also really even her response has been kind of like she's like i don't know she's sort of like i'm sorry i don't really know i made some mistakes but it's a shitty situation yeah that to me bare minimum is just a leadership issue yeah and the fact that it's happening so close to the actual election that like they couldn't even be like you know what we're gonna stick it out for you exactly until the election day but then we're we're done you know like as you know what i mean because they could have Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right, because if yeah. they felt strongly, I mean, like, we've seen a lot of things change, so there's no reason not to believe that in the last couple of weeks, Diana Morales could have soared ahead. And the people, mm-hmm. I mean, one, uh, people work for campaigns for a lot of reasons, but a big one is so you can get a job in that administration. So they even were like, I'm not even going to, that's not even worth it to me. And yeah. we didn't see all of those big endorsements come until after that whole story happened. You know, there was the... Yeah. Castro. Then there was AOC and it was like Elizabeth Warren. And it was like, okay, so this is who the progressives are for Maya Wiley. I mean, yeah. When, when they all came out, cause I feel like they were all waiting. They didn't know which way. Yeah. I was thinking, really do you guys yet. think that's a result of, I feel like in just so many races, you know, I people think people have done so many things that things come out over time. And now I think people are just waiting to endorse. They're like, I'm not going to do it until three weeks out when I know journalists have probably found everything they're going to find. I think that's fair. I think that they were probably weighing it. I was noticing that there was some influencers on Instagram that they, before this all happened and before the endorsements, I was seeing a lot of Diane Morales support. And now I'm seeing a lot of those same people switch to mm-hmm. Maya Wiley's. Yeah, totally. I've also seen politics is so toxic, but around the time that this did come out ar- about Diana Morales, I just felt like I saw a lot of really good dialogue around it. Like people, I guess, I mean, people that are like into politics that also have a lot of people just posting why they made a choice, whether it was their choice was going to continue to rank her first and how they came to that or not. And I, I found that to be super powerful because the the role I was going to maybe discuss today on today's show, the role of identity politics in this race, because I'm not really sure what it is, but we can discuss that on a show where it's not the three white hosts, but I think yeah. it's playing. <laughs> Probably good. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's playing a little bit of an unusual role here because things aren't really falling how they normally would. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. 
Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. So let's talk about the last two big candidates, and then I want to hear you guys' thoughts about where you went on this. So Andrew Yang and Eric Adams, I'd say, have been characterized as the pro-business, pro-corporate, even maybe pro-police candidates. Uh, Adams was in the New York Police Department for two decades, and he served as a captain. But he is a black man, if you didn't know, and he's been pretty critical about how the government approaches policing. The Police Captains Association has actually endorsed Yang, but that should tell you a lot about how uninterested Yang is in police reform or defunding. In terms of Yang's background, he ran a nonprofit and does not have any political experience apart from when he ran for president with his very novel UBI idea that he sort of brought into um, the mainstream. So Universal basic income. Right, right. So. Yeah. I guess that brings me to the topic that I just mentioned, which is the role of the police and crime, which feels like it's taken on heightened significance in the past couple of weeks. I mean, as I was looking into this, I don't read the New York Post, but every headline they have is like, nasty thugs unleash crime on the city. Like, we need Yang to stop it now. And um, I think I underestimated how widespread that perspective is, um, even among mm-hmm. people. Obviously, the people that suffer from crime the most are people in those communities. So, um, yeah, I feel like this the crime, quote unquote, is playing more of a role in this than I expected when this race really started heating up. I agree. And I also think that this is and this is a reason why. I think that this New York mayoral race is an important thing to talk about, even for people who aren't in New York, because this crime thing, this is going to be the thing for all of the Mm -hmm. elections going forward. It's already happening with Val Demings versus Marco Rubio in Florida, which Mm -hmm. God bless that. I really hope she's also a cop. Yeah. She's literally a cop, but yeah. it, <laughs> she's like a top cop. <laughs> Absolutely. was a police officer, yeah. but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, we're dealing with this, um, this push and pull of the fact that like we have been going through a reckoning on policing in America. Many, many Americans want to see changes to our police departments, how they're funded, how they're trained, et cetera. And at the same time, statistically crime is, on the rise in a lot of places. I know New York is one of those places. So it feel it does feel like a preview of this kind of delicate thing that Democrats are going to have to do of being like, you know, obviously we don't want there to be more crime, but also trying to face the realities that we need to change the way our policing well, is done in the country. It's, you know, it's the way we, so Crime has always been here. Crime has come and gone in New York for decades, you know, and clear. And we the the solution 
as we all know here on this podcast is not more policing. It's it's social reforms to, you know, help reduce the people who become criminals who, who, who do commit crimes. And so, I mean, it's just, you know, the same old the same old rhetoric. It's old as time. But um, I did realize that I am so not clued into this because until someone texted me and they're like, do you take the subway at night? And I was like, sometimes I guess. And they're like, well, just please like be really, really careful. And I'm like, I've I've lived in New York for like 11 years. I've not that like, I, you know what I mean? But like, and I've never had any issues really. Yeah. Like ever, you know, on the subway. So I was thinking that yesterday I was like, and I'm sure this is why this is what the outrage is designed to do is I was like, am I supposed to be scared? Like I have not felt fear. And that's also because I, I live in neighborhoods that are well funded and like I, I, there's not crime in my, my neighborhood, but do you guys think that's why, have you been, are you surprised that Eric Adams is in the lead? And do you think that the crime element and his background as a police officer factors in? Um, so I, not really, because I like, because, you know, I have an older boyfriend who has older friends who live in a different circle of then mm-hmm. we all, you know, in our own different, like, you know, I don't know, whatever places in our lives in New York and early on bringing up the mayoral race and they were all Andrew Yang and mm-hmm. they were now that they're all now I'm starting to hear some that are like, not the gay ones. These are, I'm talking <laughs> about like the women mostly. Um, <laughs> and no, no offense to anyone, but it's just what the yeah. way it is. Um, and Eric Adams. I think mm-hmm. I'm hearing that a lot too. So I kind of was like, oh, I'm like, there's, there's so many different New Yorks yeah. that. Yeah, it is really interesting. I mean, the mayoral race has really underscored what you just said for me. Like there are so many New Yorks because mm-hmm. in my social circles, I mean, I haven't heard anyone say shit about <laughs> Eric Adams, yeah. but he's been the front runner of the I race know. the entire time. And like, I feel like I personally haven't encountered anything about him anywhere seen him whatever but it does just really make you think i i do feel like he maybe feels like the compromise candidate a little bit like Mm -hmm. that he's not as uh disinterested in New York life right. as Andrew Yang. <laughs> as Andrew Yang. Is. That was yeah, such Andrew a nice Yang. way to put it. <laughs> Andrew to Yang came in like with such a head start, with such good name recognition, and yeah. he just like statement really, after statement. He it's actually really impressive how up. how much he chipped away at the goodwill that he had. This is the fact that he just, is in fourth now. Yeah, I mean, he, he said his favorite subway station just, was Times Square. Yeah. That's and he's insane. just been yeah. so transparently trying to play up the crime element too. Cause like it's ahead of summer and they're saying like, you guys don't want fireworks. You don't want this. You don't want that. Like they're just trying to play. And obviously Maya Wiley has said things about potentially looking at the police budget. That's why the interview with Sammy is so good. Cause they do like, she does address. She's like, nobody, it's not good for you. And it's not good for me. If there is an unhoused, unhoused person having a mental episode on, on your street, like that's not good for them. It's not good for the city. It's not good for you. It's not good for anyone's morale. Like we need to get that person like help. We need to, you know, it costs 3000. Now I'm obsessed. I finally started looking at this race, but it costs $3,000 a month to put somebody in a homeless shelter at night, a congregate homeless shelter. You can get like, that's a studio apartment in some parts of the city. Yeah, I'm like, what? 
put them in a house people if we're putting them in a shelter for that it's like get them a two bedroom like right yeah jesus christ but so i mean i would say that like there i I think we're gonna see in the next couple weeks a ton of like real demonizing of maya wiley as like a person that's gonna continue like letting all of this crime go go wild and like when there's crime like when there's like a shooting on a street or something it's that street that shut down it's like oh maybe it's some white people in manhattan are like oh no it's scary crime and then they'll vote for eric mm-hmm. but it's also it's really detrimental to the people that live on that street and work on that street and like of course if like that's affecting whether they can go to their like wage job or whether people frequent that area they're going to be pissed and they're going to vote for the person that's saying they're going to address that. And I think Eric Yang or Eric Yang, Eric Adams <laughs> seems like the person who will do that, but isn't like too much of a, a corporate. And I don't know if that's because, because of his race or because of his policies, but I think that's sort of like what he's shaping up to, to look like, but it looks like he might like totally run away with this. Who did, I think we're all comfortable saying I'm going to rank Maya first. Yeah. I'm I ranking Maya, Maya first. first. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I'm ranking Maya first, and then I, I I'm gonna do Catherine Garcia second. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, we didn't really mention much about her, but she's great. I love her. She ran the <laughs> sanitation department, and I mm-hmm. saw somebody mm-hmm. say somebody was going in on her, being like, "Oh, Eric Adams was like, well, look at the streets; they're filthy," which they are because the mayor has cut the budget for the sanitation department. Like that's not her, yeah. and she doesn't even You're, run it anymore. If if you are, are like lucky, like, like if you're able to like travel to other cities. In compa- when you compare New York to other cities, like any other major city, you're like, why is it so fucking gross here? It's like, kind of it's- gross right now. <laughs> yeah. It's- I learned a fact about early New York that I think about all the time, which is that like in the 1800s, when like before cars, when there was all horses, there what the major issue of New York City was that eventually they were they were running out of and eventually would run out of places to put all the horse poop. Oh, my God. And- it was like overflowing in the streets and like it was becoming a major oh, issue. And like uh, like thinkers of the day were like on this issue trying to figure out like what are we going <laughs> to do with all this horse shit? And then they just invented cars and it ended up not being an issue anymore. Oh, but I feel like that's like how New York deals with everything. New York yeah. almost got buried in horse shit. I yeah, mean, it like, is true. Huh, it's like, someone yeah. has got to do something about all this horse shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds like when Bill Gates was like, we'll give a million dollars to the first person that comes up with like a comfortable condom or something, which is like, they're already comfortable. Bill, fine. Yeah. Sorry, you don't want to wear Ew, Bill. Bill God. Yeah. Maybe that they're is- not comfortable for the men, but it's fine for the women. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're fine. We're all dealing with it. It's fine. We're yeah. all dealing with the fact that having sex causes procreation, Bill. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We will be keeping you updated on this and keep an eye out for that Maya Wiley episode. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.